on the Just Baseball Show. Today is Monday, August 22nd. Jack McMullen, RM Leighton. This is a show where we talk about baseball. And that is the only sport where at about 2 p.m. you have a guy saying, if you want to fight, step past the bullshit Audi sign to the right of the first baseline. And then later that night, we have a handshake line to promote good sportsmanship in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. That's yes. the sport we cover, and it's hilarious, RM. Yes. Yeah, so at 12 years old, you, you you hug the guy who who hit you with a pitch, but then and once you get to the big boy age of of twenty five or thirty, whoever, whether you're Manoa or Cole here, that's where you throw a fit and scream and just yell at people for accidentally hitting players. Dude, I mean, so like Cole, um, if you hadn't seen it, it's it's circulating the Twitter sphere. I'm sure you can see it. Uh, Manoa hits Garrett Cole with a sinker that got away. Manoa discussed or hits this. Judge or Judge Judge. He hit. He you hit think judge. he hit Cole with the way that Cole right, reacted? Right. <laughs> he yeah. hits Aaron Judge with a sinker that got away. Got up and in. Hit him on his elbow guard. It was like mid tricep. The elbow guard was covering it. Judge was immediately fine. He made it known to Manoa that he was immediately fine. But he was and, annoyed. He said, that's two. Like, that's the second time you've got me up and in. Like, that was, I think, yes. what kind of. But I think he was just saying, hey, like, don't like, go in there on, if, you, if you can't control it. Like, come on, it's 95 up and in. I do the same thing. It's annoying when you get hit. You it's get over it in annoying. five seconds. He wasn't instigating. He was just saying, hey, that's two. And taking it into Manoa's mind justified. Like, yeah, yeah. you're right. I fucked up my bad. Um, yeah move on there we go like that's two you're right man like i'm sorry one run game obviously not trying to do it and um then garrett cole comes out of the dugout and starts chirping at alec manoa from the audi sign that is printed on foul ground on the grass right in front of the yankee dugout and he's just standing there and pointing and yelling expletives at manoa and manoa was looking at him and barking at him to the point where judge being accompanied by the home plate umpire, walked over to Manoa. They immediately buried the hatchet. They said like, hey, man, no, it wasn't intentional. And Manoa was like, yes, it absolutely was not intentional. I'm sorry. Move on. And Cole kept on going to the point where Cole was escorted back to the dugout and just yells, fuck, as yeah. he's right back to the dugout. Like, what? And and even Judge was giving him like the like, relax over there. It's fine, man. It's fine. And look, I, I appreciate what Cole's trying to do because – I think for a while it was like, okay, we look at the $300 million pitcher who kind of keeps to himself and isn't a team guy. Like, I appreciate that he's trying to be more of that team guy. I wonder if he's doing these theatrics, though, if he's shoving this year. If he has a 2-2 two, a two, two ERA, is he jumping over there and being the front guy? Like, I, I don't know. It just it seems like to me he's been more outward, more obnoxious this year. I always think about the delay of the uh, the game starting. What was that whole thing where the game started like 10 seconds late and he's throwing that, a temper tantrum? It was three minutes, I want to say. And he he acknowledged that in his post-game press conference. He was like, yeah, it doesn't help that the game started three minutes late. 
Like, come on, dude. What? Like, that's why you were leaving fastballs middle, middle every single time. But I loved Manoa's quote of just, if he doesn't like it, you know, he could come past that Audi sign. He can walk past that Audi sign on the grass. Manoa would beat the living crap out of him in two seconds. Dude. It wouldn't even be close. So, you know, that really famous photo of Nolan Ryan having Robin Ventura in a headlock and just yeah. beating the shit out of him. So I've actually, that was like, I grew up with a framed photo of that signed by Nolan Ryan in my room. That's sick. It was Ryan having Robin Ventura in a headlock landing a haymaker on his face. And, you know, naturally, like, that's totally what you expect to find in a seven-year-old boy's room. Um, So that was, that is forever, like, ingrained in my brain. And I view Manoa as the Nolan Ryan type. Not in terms of, like, hey, greatest strikeout pitcher of all time. I'm viewing him as the badass MF and we've seen it time and time again. We've seen him chirp the entire Red Sox team. And now we're seeing him get into it with the Yankees. I think Toronto as a whole, I think Canada as a whole country is going to fall in love with Manoa. If they haven't already, they will just fall deeper into love. A hundred percent. Well, I think they already have. What I'm seeing now is that the larger baseball community you know we're talking about fans all over especially after that all-star game i think that was a really big opportunity to for for alec manoa to showcase how how cool he is uh and the edge that he brings on the mound uh i think now we're seeing larger baseball start to really grab on to alec manoa which is cool because i think with pitchers they only throw every fifth day so it, it takes a little bit more time for i think the the national it's weird saying national because it's it's actually another country and <laughs> with Canada, but just for the national media to really start to grab onto these players and understand how cool they are and market them and and also just pump their highlights out. Manoa also has that aesthetically pleasing slider. The last thing I want to say on it that I really appreciated from him though is that he literally like owned it and said, I've been struggling with my sinker for f- about five or six starts now. Yeah. Like that. And I said to him, basically, man, you know, I'm not trying to do that. But I think it's just cool for from a pitcher's lines like that. Instead of just getting upset and being like, it wasn't intentional, blah, blah, blah. Like getting specific and being like, yeah, I'm struggling to command my sinker right now. That's why I hit judge. It's getting away from me. I got to work on that. And he's always been a guy that hits batters. The ball can get away from him a little yes. bit. His mechanics are a little bit unique in that regard. And sometimes he just loses he it side to side. Yeah, like that is that's why sinker slider is so effective. He is a side to side guy and not an up down guy. And when the scouting report is, is get it in on, you can't let judge get extended. You cannot no, let judge get no, his hands no. out there. It, it just comes with the territory. And uh, I mean, the Marlins have the same issue with Ronald Acuna, right. but judge handles it a little bit better. Ronald Acuna loses his mind every single time, but you know, there's a little bit more backstory there. And I know Braves fans will get mad if I, if I, if I try to compare the two situations there, but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was fun. And I like the Manoa Yankees rivalry that's budding. I think it's not going to go away anytime soon. And it's a lot of fun. It is phenomenal. Um, And Manoa, you're right. Like a national audience is becoming more and more obsessed with Alec Manoa and watching his starts. Um, He is never going to be universally loved because he is, you know, that type of contentious dude where he's got no problem picking a bone with the Red Sox or the Yankees. Um, A guy that is as close to universally loved in baseball is climbing closer and closer to this insane milestone. And in turn, it's sparking the hottest team in baseball right now. (laughs) They're not the best team in baseball, but the St. Louis Cardinals are the hottest team in baseball. And they are riding the best vibes of the season for any team because of what Albert Pujols is doing right now. He's going nuclear. 
in turn, his team is going nuclear. It's so fun, man. I, I, that game that was, what was it? Friday night. It was a Friday night, the two home run game. Yeah. Uh, Friday. That diamondbacks game was probably one of the more entertaining baseball games I've watched in a long time. Not only from the Pujols, two home run lens, four hits as well. Uh, it gave you everything. Lars Newbar inside the Parker, uh, just some unreal defensive plays from Nolan Arenado and uh, Paul Goldschmidt. The game was just so much fun. And, and even the D-backs, like they, they're a lot more fun to watch than they were in the past with the Alec Thomases of the world. And then even like a Christian Walker, who but in his own regard is having a wonderful year. But Pujols is now going to have probably the best season he's had since 2015. Which if is you're looking insane, at that, dude, which is crazy. And if you look at WRC plus, we assume he tapers off a little bit, but let's say he finishes around the 130 range. That would be the best that he's done since his first year in LA. And I know that he's very much a platoon guy. And I know that he is being sheltered and not playing every day and whatever. I don't give a shit. He has 13 home runs in 71 games. Uh, he is actually valuable and we were clowning you know, like the the lefty platoon dh role right but you know what dude if that is a role that matters he's doing it to the best of his abilities i don't think anybody could be doing a better job than he is right now in that platoon dh role and we know everything else he brings to the table but shit man this this is getting interesting did i see late last week that ali marmol uh pinch hit nolan gorman for albert Pujols? oh no you did i i was i was absolutely livid um, and, and no one go, I get it. I get it from a baseball standpoint, but out men on second and third, no outs. They bring a righty in pools is four for four. And you're going to pinch hit Nolan Gorman at that spot. You know what? Nolan Gorman got a base hit. So uh, it's hard. It's hard to really, really rip that, but damn it, dude, he's four for four. I, I don't want to take any ABs away. And also it was a bit of a, a blowout. I think at that point, or at least, you know, they had a few run cushion, uh, but still, I, I, I love what they're doing how they have these bench bats that they can kind of just mix and match. And they, they're a little bit like this year's giants, you know, from last year, but with more talent, like the way that they can mix and match platoon, uh, you know, shuffle guys around and just piece it together. If you look at the giants last year, they had more, you know, high profile because of what Logan Webb was doing and Kevin Gosman, but it felt like they kind of pieced together the pitching side of things too. And then just maximized their offensive output. I feel like the Cardinals are doing that with more offensive talent and less pitching talent, but they've also made those additions pitching wise. They have the, the, the story of Albert Pujols, but also this is just a fun team to watch period. So uh, since the All-Star break, post-All-Star break, I, I've got it queried up. Uh, Albert Pujols, 18 games. What do we think he's hitting? He's got to be hitting like 360. 449. <laughs> what do you think he's slugging? Uh, 700. 939. Yeah. like Among players with more than 10 games played, let's do more than five games played. Among players with more than five games played since the All-Star break, this is the OPS leaderboard. Albert Pujols is first at 1439. Paul Goldschmidt is second at 1264. Which is even more ridiculous because he plays every day. Yes, he plays every single day. Judge is third at 1238. Jake fucking Fraley is fourth. <laughs> and then Vaughn Grissom is fifth. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of we could do a whole podcast on. on just that list right oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like Fraley, we can spend 30 minutes on Jake Fraley if we want to call Clay Snowden right now. I'm sure yeah, he'll and, hop on. 
and Von Grissom, like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. what is that? I keep waiting for that guy to like fall flat on his face. And not because I don't think he's going to be a good player long-term, but because he legitimately is 10 years old and has played 20 games above high A. And he just does not slow down on the big stage against the best pitchers. It's, it's insane. It uh, but insane. baseball's got a lot of fun storylines right now. And uh, we talked about it on the last episode, like there can't be a way where Albert Pujols could be any better right now. And, and obviously yeah. I think he sees the twilight and he's emptying the gas tank. Uh, like he's emptying whatever he has left because he knows this is the end. Gun to your head. Is he getting these? Is he hitting these last eight? No. What's he finishing at? Seven or six ninety six, same as a rod. Oh, he's gonna tie. That would be the worst shit ever. It would be the worst thing ever. Tying I am a pessimistic person, and I'm working on it. <laughs> You're working on it, yeah. dude. He needs a mad bum uh, matchup again, man. He owns him. He dude. owns him. Uh, I'm so in. Let let's let's DFA mad bum. Have him be a waiver claim on like every team. Every the Cardinals team. See from here on out. It was funny, dude. I, so Pujols, Pujols, when he hit the the home run, like he didn't really pimp it that hard, but like he, he stood and watched it for a second. <laughs> and I just imagine Mad Bum just like clean it up, clean it up, you know, the way he did with Robles, but like Pujols, say to a 42 year old. How about Max Muncy? How about Max yeah. Muncy too? And he said, get it out of the fucking ocean then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get it out of the ocean. Go, go get it. Uh, like I was thinking about that. Like what if Pujols just, just stood there for like 10 seconds? Is Mad Bum going to say something to one of the best right-handed hitters of all time? Yes, because Mad Bum is a sour human being. <laughs> yeah, he really is a miserable dude. <laughs> he really Such is. a miserable dude. Um, yeah, I mean, Pujols is, is spurring this, like, renaissance within the Cardinals. And I think that these two teams kind of go hand-in-hand hand because of one swap here. Um, Jaymont gets the ball for St. Louis tonight. Jordan Montgomery. Montgomery has been really good for St. Louis. Jose Quintana has been really good for St. Louis. Everybody's kind of pieced it together, riding the momentum that Albert Pujols is developing in the basement. Like it is, I'm 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 thinking about heat rising, right? Like if, if Albert Pujols is the bedrock of the St. Louis Cardinals, all that positive juju, all that positive momentum is just spreading everywhere in that clubhouse and it's all systems go. We'll parlay this into a Yankees conversation, um, but what the Cardinals are doing right now on the positive end, after swapping Bader for Montgomery and after grabbing Quintana and Stratton for Nunez and Oviedo, they attacked the deadline really well, and I think they didn't change anything about the clubhouse dynamic, and that's exactly how you need to go about the trade deadline. Well, you know, I think that's why they were a little bit... I guess timid when it came to to pulling the trigger on the Soto trade. That was a trade that was going to disrupt the clubhouse, right? Not I'm not saying that the clubhouse would be upset. Uh, it doesn't mean that the team would be worse off. It's it's hard to to say that getting Juan Soto would be a, a negative move, but right. um, you know, I think they really like what they have. And if you traded Dylan Carlson, if you trade a couple other pieces that presumably would have been big league guys that you would have had going outbound, you know, I I think that does shake things up, and the Cardinals feel pretty good about what they have. We don't know what the Cardinals would have done last year had they not been walked off by Chris Taylor, right? They were the hottest team in the second half. They were they went on one of the best win streaks we've seen in in decades, and they lose really at, in the in what was it the tenth inning or the ninth, whatever it was. It was a walk off home run in a yeah. one game playoff against the arguably best team in baseball and the Dodgers. Like if they get by the Dodgers, who knows how they shake out in the postseason? Like that was a really good team. And I think this team is a lot better. So you, you look at it from that lens, 
you can understand why the, why, why the Cardinals feel really good about what they've got going on. And, and not to mention Jordan Walker really since those, since those trade talks have kind of dissipated and, and now he knows he's a Cardinal yeah. for, I think the foreseeable future, that was the only guy that was going to potentially pry him away from yeah. the Cardinals. He's been going nuclear. So, Insane, you know, I, dude. he's been just hitting a home run every other day. So, I mean, the future looks really bright. I also wouldn't sleep on the Yadier Molina effect as well. Yeah. He's healthy. He's now back in the in the lineup. You know, he's not playing every day either. But Yadier, I mean, I we know what he brings to the game catching wise. He had three hits the other day though, which is which is pretty amazing. But we know pitchers love to work with him. We know what he brings to this Cardinals team, and that's another guy, a glue guy that is now back healthy and, and able to contribute in some ways too. And you know, I mean, like Yadi is an immediate upgrade over Kisner, and, and Kisner is not. I don't want to say he's a detriment, but he's got a 588 OPS. He's yeah. kind of been a detriment to that lineup. So if you add Yachty um, for the narrative alone, just, yeah. just for having his leadership on the field at all times, uh, that is an immediate upgrade. I guess my last question on the Cardinals is Wainwright, Michaelis, Montgomery, Quintana. Is that a good enough postseason rotation? So, like, I mean, conventional thinking tells me no. Yeah. But – and that's why I think they could weirdly like put it together. <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of those things where in the regular season, I think that rotation is more than good enough with what they have going on. But I do wonder what that looks like. And we haven't really seen, again, there was a one game playoff. Wayno pitched really well, but I don't know how that looks in a, in a five or seven game set. I really don't. But if, if we're getting what Quintana has looked like and, and what Jamon has looked like as of late, then maybe it is. Maybe it is. I mean, the defense we know is as good as it gets, and the bullpen has been really, really solid. That's, I think that's the million-dollar question, Jack. Is, is that is that enough? And clearly the Cardinals think it is. I yeah. don't know. Uh, the $300 million question, Cole, Montes, Nestor, Tyone. Is that a World Series winning four? It should be, but it's not. I think, you know what I'm saying? Right, like it, it, it should be. But if you can't trust your three hundred million dollar guy, and I, don't, I think if you if you pulled any Yankee fan off the street and asked them, you know, are you confident in Garrett Cole in a game seven or a game one? Fuck it, a game one. A game one. They're gonna say no. I, I I would almost bet almost every single Yankee fan would say no. I don't feel that confident in Garrett Cole in a game one personally. And it sounds crazy to say this, but like if I had to get a quality start from one guy right now, I'm not, I'm. Put Nestor on the bump. Yes. Nestor has been a walking quality start. And he might not single-handedly win you the game. <laughs> he might not go nine shutout like Cole has the potential to do when he's on. But you know what, man? I'll play it safe and take Nestor's six innings, three runs any day of the week because he's been doing that basically every single time out there. And I wonder where he's going to fit in. I feel like you got to ride Cole game one. That's always going to be how they do it. But shit, man, Nestor might be the guy that ends up saving them in a series. I think so, too. Um, I was in New York this weekend, and we were on our way to LaGuardia yesterday during the Yankee game, and we were listening to the fan. We were listening to FAN. We were listening to John and Susan, and they tie the game. Uh, Balt, or, uh, Toronto ties the game against Jonathan Loisega. I want to say Loisega just had a blow-up outing uh, right after Nestor left the game. And the the frustration in John Sterling and Susan Waldman's voice when that happened. And again, Nestor Cortez's 10th win escapes him. Right. Yeah. It, it, it was that it was. And again, the Yankees waste another start by Nestor Cortez. 
it was so unbelievably frustrating for them. And you could feel the frustration. Like I needed to wipe it off my forehead in the back seat of this car. Yeah. I sat in the back seat. I gave my girlfriend the front seat. Cause I chivalry ain't dead folks. But um, it, it was, you know, like that is, I think how Yankee fans are feeling right now, because if it's not Garrett Cole's struggles of a start, it's the bullpen. And Peter and I played this game at the end of last week. I want to play it with you too. Every other postseason team in the American League right now, and the first team out right now, uh, Minnesota. We, we can throw Baltimore and the White Sox in there too. Cole versus their ace in game one. Houston, Cole Verlander. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I don't need to answer that. No question. Cole Bieber. Don't really need to answer that one. I'll answer that one. Obviously, Bieber. But Obviously like, Bieber. I, but I would say that's a little bit closer, just because Bieber's not the the Cy Young winner he once was. But I think he's still pretty reliable. Cole McClanahan. McClanahan. Although he's he, struggling, he's a little, he's a little scared. Both. I, I would take the sneaky over in that game. I will say I would, that. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. I think I think Vegas would overestimate that. Cole Manoa. Manoa, not even close. Cole Luis Castillo. Castillo. Now we get into teams that are outside the postseason. They're outside the wild card spots right now. Cole, Sonny Gray. That's where Peter said Cole. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Cole. I, I, just because of the potential, he can legitimately win you a ball game. Like I, I don't. Sonny Gray is not winning you a game. I don't yeah. know. I just, I just don't feel that. That's where, that's where I, I definitely lean Cole. So I'm in the same spot there. Again, though, here's the thing with Cole is. You get to have a short leash with him, and I think that's what they'll have on the postseason, you know, in the postseason kind of setting because you look at what happens with Cole. When he's off, the home runs keep coming. It's middle, middle, home run, home run, home run, home run. But because he's Garrett Cole, they've given him the benefit of the doubt, and they've let him stay out there and try to weather the storm. He's, and he I don't think he does. And he typically – I just don't know if you can do that on the postseason stage. And if you look at starts where guys have surrendered five runs or more, Cole's done it this year one, two, three, four, five times. How many times do you think Nestor Cortez has done it? Two? Zero. Zero. He's never allowed more than four runs in a start this season. But you know the difference? The, the, all the starts where he allowed four runs, they pulled him. So that's the thing. Three and two-thirds innings, four runs against the Red Sox, so they pulled him. Uh, four and a-thirds innings against the Rays, four and runs, they pulled him. Four and a-thirds innings against the Twins, four and runs, they pulled him. Those are the three four-run outings he's had this year. But that being said, it's ridiculous that he's only had three outings where he's surrendered more than three runs. Nestor Cortez has been legitimately Mr. Consistent this year, and again, it's been a walking quality start for them. Uh, I, it, what do you do? Is, is it Cole, then Nestor, then then Montes, or do you go Cole, Montes, Nestor? That's been the most disappointing thing. And Frankie throws again. Is it tonight or tomorrow? He might be throwing <sighs> tomorrow. tomorrow. It might be tomorrow. But like every start that Frankie makes, I want to be looking at that right now. I, I want to be closely watching because I'm trying to figure out what the hell is up with Frankie Montas. Um, hindsight 2020, obviously, but I don't think you make the move for Montas and ship off Montgomery if you're Brian if you're Brian Cashman if the deadline was right now right oh like if you what if you could run it back if and you, undo if it if you could if you could have a do over are you making the Bader Montgomery swap and are you going to get oh Frankie that Montas? I'm not I don't know if I'm, I don't know about the Bader Montgomery swap <laughs> that's tough because I guess it'll depend on how Bader fits in you'll get how bad Aaron Hicks has been if Bader can can 
slide into center field and help them down the stretch, then, uh, you know, I think we can properly answer that question in September. Yeah. Uh, but they need Jordan Montgomery right now. He'd probably be their best arm over the last month. Um, I, I wouldn't fully nix the Montes deal yet because it's early, but like they also didn't give up that much. Like that's the biggest thing is we talked about how we felt like Montes would bring in a bigger package and maybe there was some, some underlying things. we talked about the shoulder, but clearly there were some, some red flags for a lot of teams to not beat that price. If Ken Waldachuk and Luis Medina and JP Sears and Cooper Bowman are what I give up for a guy like Frankie Montes, I'd still take that shot right now. I would. Bader versus Mon- Bader and Montgomery. That's one I'd think about a bit more now, uh, given the struggles of Montes and, and Severino being out and, and a lot of other guys, you know, just not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But again, I feel like we can't properly answer that until until Bader gets his shot. Hey, JP Sears is kind of him with a capital H, though. <laughs> you like JP? <laughs> He's kind of shoving just a little bit. Um, a team within their division just got a really rough blow. And this is a team that is inside the wild card hunt right now. Wander Franco had his rehab assignment yep. cut short, uh, which is never what you want to see. Now, granted, I've seen that a couple times so far this year, one of which was Matt Manning and Detroit. Manning got pulled from a rehab outing in Indy. It, about I, I want to say he started the third and he just wasn't right and he left. And it's like, oh, God. And this was right after the Casey Mize TJ stuff. So I was thinking, damn, like, here's another tough blow. Matt Manning shut it down for about a month. We saw him again. He was incredible, and he's looked great since returning. It never is a good thing that a rehab assignment stops because you either tested positive for close to ball, uh, (laughs) I don't know how you say it, or something is really up. And I think something's really up injury-wise with Wander Franco. Yeah, you know, and you got to err on the side of caution here, right? This is your your franchise player. And as much as you want Wander Franco back this season, you don't want to push it. And and clearly there's something with that wrist that is just continuing to affect him. And I was worried about that because Wander Franco is one of the handsiest hitters you will see. So yes. if you have a wrist injury, if they rush him back, I can promise you he won't even hit well. Like he is so handsy that it's really going to impede his swing. And clearly it's something that I think when he got back to swinging the bat, he demands so much more from his hands and his wrists than the average hitter. They're so quick the way he gets to pitches. It's unbelievable. That's what's made him the top prospect in baseball for so long. And a guy that's made $200 million before really even playing a full season. That's something that I think the Rays have to tread very lightly with. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him the rest of the year, man. And, 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 and it's really frustrating and upsetting because kind of went through the same thing last year, right? He was out for a lot down the stretch, got back involved in the postseason, And I, I just would have liked to have seen him have his feet under him and really see what this race team has full strength. That being said, they are still getting a lot more reinforcements coming. Uh, but Wander Franco was, was kind of the crown jewel of the reinforcements leading the Calvary back. And you know, now are you rocking with Taylor walls the rest of the way? Like who is your yeah. shortstop? If you're the Rays the rest of the season, and uh, do you try to shake it up a little bit? Do you try to look elsewhere? I mean, Taylor walls is incredible defender but he hasn't really been that that guy defensively this year and i think the offensive struggles are kind of trickling onto the field he's been a negative f4 guy uh he's hitting a buck 79 i think you're at the point where you got to start to mix and match and figure out who could potentially fill in at shortstop i think they've got two tweeners aside from wander uh taylor walls is too good for triple a he i don't think he's good enough to be a major league shortstop right now. Obviously he's great defensively, but again, the bat is such a detriment that he's a never negative F four guy. 
Vidal Brujan is another tweener. Like tween, I check Vidal Brujan's numbers in AAA often, and they're always really, really good. And then he comes up and he looks terrible. And I know you're more out on Vidal Brujan than I am, even though I'm I'm quickly, quickly, quickly joining you on that Vidal Brujan, like getting off the train. But I mean, I don't think the answer is there. And I think that they got to get Wander healthy. If you're a Rays fan, are you at this point saying, okay, a wild card series is a bonus. If we get to the ALDS, that's a bonus and anything can happen. Like, let's see if magic happens. Um, but next year is the one where I'm really invested because Glasnow's back, Boz is back, Wander's back. Yeah, you know, I think it's tough because I feel like the Rays are, are always saying next year, next year, next year, next year, uh, because it seems like just something kind of falls through each each season for them. A guy goes down or, you know, they they come up just a bit short and you, you have the what if, of course, with, with, with Blake Snell. That's always going to be one of the big what ifs. But I, I think you, you, you really have to feel pretty fortunate to be in the hunt if you're a Rays fan at this point. I mean, this team should really have fallen apart. I, it's a testament to what they've built and, and how they're able to stay afloat uh, to, to to be 10 games over 500 with the injuries that they've faced is pretty crazy, but I think they still have a chance to make some noise. I think if you get Nick Anderson back and, and healthy and he's looks pretty good, I think he's starting to work his way back and a bunch of the other pieces that they're going to return. And Harold Ramirez has been wonderful since returning from his injury. I think you, you've got to feel pretty good about your chances of, of making some noise, but at the end of the day, Without glass now, I I think it's it's kind of crazy to think that you could top you know the the Astros of the world or some of these other teams. One other name though that I think could fit in as a potential option is Xavier Edwards. I wonder yeah. if they decide to call him up because Edwards is a switch hitter. He's going to put bat on ball. That's for sure. He's fast as hell and he can play good defense. They they've moved him around the diamond. I think presumably because they figured. You know, shortstop's kind of taken care of. And this guy has hit basically 300 at every stop, except for now triple where he's hitting 274, but he's walking at a good clip. I wonder if they start to play him more at shortstop. He's he's made 16 starts there in triple so far this season. He's a good defender. That might be a guy that they audition out there as well. But if they're going to do it, they better try soon uh, because I want to see what he can do. But uh, he's going to put the ball in play. He's going to run. He's going to play defense. And uh, that might be all they need. Dude, I mean, these numbers are absolutely incredible. I'm looking at I'm looking at Edwards and I'm looking at Vidal Brujan. Um, Edwards, like middling, he's hitting what 265 right now. Um, so now in triple 274, 352, 382 slash on. He's dead 100 WRC plus, but doesn't strike out. Plays good defense and he's got elite speed. How about that? Okay, Brujan in 42 AAA games hitting 311 with an 870 OPS he and he's like not striking out. He's amazing in triple. And then he gets up to Tampa for 46 games. He's got a 477 OPS. It, it's the approach is just brutal. Uh, and he just kind of gets picked apart every time he comes back up to the big leagues. But I also don't trust him defensively. It's short the way I would trust an Xavier Edwards. But I do wonder if they try to give Bruhan another shot. At least he's, he knows the big leagues a little bit, you know, he, yeah. he's been there before. Um, Maybe that's a guy that they bring back up and, and we see what he can do, but I just don't have a lot of faith in him. Um, you mentioned another shot. It, it, a guy like a guy that just should never get another shot again found himself in a lineup in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, and and we're not gonna spend too much time on this. But the fact that Marcelo Zuna was in the Braves lineup on Sunday is hilariously awful. Yeah. I mean, 
Look, we don't. I don't think there's much that needs to be detailed as to why it's insane that he is in the lineup. But aside from the fact that he should be suspended and, and potentially released, I think if, if you if you do both of the things that he has been, uh, you know, caught doing, you you probably lose your job and and ninety nine percent of uh, you know jobs in, in, in one America. of the things you lose your job. Yeah, yeah. And so looking at it from that lens, that's that's one side of it. From a pure baseball standpoint, he's also been trash. So why are you dying on the hill of a player that's not even good, right? And, and that was another one where uh, I was thinking about it. I'm just like, it's not even worth the the, the optic like nightmare. I, I get these guys are so hell bent on win now, and and like that's their job, and they're trying to keep the lights on. So you sweep morals under the rug. Like that's always been in sports. That always will be. Not saying it's right. Well, we're talking. We were talking yesterday about Jimmy Haslam's comments about Deshaun Watson. Yeah, exactly. Like it's important to remember he's a really talented quarterback. And yeah, uh, no, that it's can, not. That can fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah like that can fuck all the way off. So that that's my point. Like. I I can I get why they're doing that. They're trying to win football games, and so they're going to look the other way. Still stupid as hell. Stupid but as hell. Marcelo Zuna stinks. Yeah. So why are you doing it for a guy that stinks? I, I just don't understand. Like he's he's legit bad. He can't play defense. He was playing left too. He wasn't yeah. DHing. He was playing left. The guy can't throw. His shoulders like actually spaghetti. He's the worst defender I've I've seen out there, which is crazy because he used to be good back yeah. in the Marlins days. And. On top of that, he has like a 650 OPS. Like he's just not a good baseball player. He seems to not be a very good human being. So why do you have this guy around in what is a very likable Atlanta Braves team, a very good Atlanta Braves team that doesn't need him? I I wonder if Alex Anthopoulos can cook something up and get that contract voided. I don't know. We'll see. I, um, yeah, I was, I was just about to say like, I've got one hand on the rail of the train car and I've got one foot on, but I'm dangling the other foot and the other arm off the Braves bandwagon right now. Yeah. And the, the only way that I get on that train car is if Marcelo Zuna is not on the roster anymore. Well, and what's amazing is Braves fans are upset about it too. Like I, like I've seen, I I made I made fun of Marcelo Zuna. I said, he's been taking a free ride with the Braves for the last two years and he'll need one to get to the ballpark today because (laughs) the the DUI, obviously uh, he can't drive in, in Georgia for 30 days uh, at least. But, and also by, by the way, at 5.00 AM in the middle of a series against the Mets, your division rival, you're out whipping it drunk. Like, what are you doing? So, yes, whipping it drunk. Now, uh, a lot of athletes I I know like get drunk during very serious, you know, series where like the 5 NBA, like, that's you're ripping, the lifestyle. You're going out at you're 5 a.m. in the middle of the biggest one of the biggest series of the year. Listen, for some people, that's professional sports lifestyle. Do I agree yeah. with it? Absolutely not. Yeah, but some guys can can show and go. So I guess they like can show that. and go. I mean, James but he's Harden not, the he's not show showing and, go. and going. He stinks. Yeah. No, I mean, like if he had the talent level of James Harden after staying out until 5 oh, no. a.m. at the strip club, like cool. But Works for him. Works no. for him. I, I'm, I, you can't get mad at Harden when he gives you 40. You know, like I, I know he's been a little bit iffy the last couple of years, but his lifestyle was working. The guy was playing at an MVP level. Like you can't really you can't really knock him like you can't knock him for going out if he's coming back and giving you 40 every night. But what you can knock him for is getting behind the wheel of a car. Yes, correct. Correct. And that's what we're knocking Marcelo. Correct. Zuno. Especially after you just got off the hook for, you know, something I, we have no idea how he did. So I, you know, I, I am frustrated by the, by this decision by the Braves. I, I do wonder why they're, they're doing it. Um, I love this Braves team. I love all of the players, right? Like we, we go through the whole team. We are talking about how Michael Harris is 
one of the more enjoyable, fun guys now uh, coming up through the game, 21 years old, already looks like he belongs both on the field and off the field. Uh, you have guys like Austin Riley, who just, I love the way he carries himself. Dansby Swanson is sick. Uh, did, did you see that? I saw a clip, an interview with Dansby Swanson. They're like, how much fun are you? Or, or why, what's your favorite thing about playing with the Braves? And he just goes, we're sick, dude. Like that was, that was it. Like, or like, we're nasty, dude. And I was like, he's right. I love Matt Olson. Like this is a really likable team. Just get that one dude out of there, please. Get that one dude out of there. And, and I think Matt Olson is, Again, Matt Olson quickly became one of my favorite players in Major League Baseball this offseason with how mature he handled the Freddie Freeman side. Yeah. yeah. He's the guy that was handpicked to replace Freddie Freeman. He was compensated as such. And people are saying like, oh, we want Freddie instead. He's like, I'm from here. I'm going to have a lot of family at the ballpark. I'm going to hit a bunch of dingers. I'm going to walk a lot and we're going to have fun. Yeah, and he's heating up too. And, and if that's a guy that gets to like last year's level of play, if he really taps into that, I mean, you're looking at one of the scariest teams in baseball. And that's the craziest part because I, I saw a tweet and, and I, I want to properly attribute it, but I don't even actually have these specific stats, but I'm still going to bring it up because I thought it was pretty crazy. But the Mets were playing at a 100 win pace over the last, you know, however many games, and they still have lost ground to the Braves. And I'll pull that up specifically. It's Tim like, Britton. So you have this exact stat? Yeah, Tim Britton. Um, from he's the Mets beat in the Athletics since June one. The Mets have played at a one hundred win pace. They've lost seven and a half games off their division lead to Atlanta in that time. That's insane. That's insane. So that shows you what kind of baseball is getting played right now in the NL East. It's this year's NL West. Um, do you think the Braves can catch them now? Four games back. It, they're obviously playing at a ridiculous pace, but the Mets are kind of doing everything they can to fend them off. Like, what do you want them to play at a 150 win pace? What are they supposed to do? Um, I, I, maybe what's a better way to phrase this? Yankees are up eight games on the Blue Jays. Mets are up four games on the Braves. It's obviously much more likely that the Braves catch the Mets, right? It is much more likely that the Braves catch the Mets. Even with the Yankees just looking horrible and the Mets looking good. Yes. We'll take the, the, the extra four wins there. I'll take the team that I genuinely think can get out of the national league, as opposed to a team that I don't think can get out of the American league. You don't think the blue Jays can get out of the American league. I don't think so. Not with their pitching as, as constructed. What about the Orioles and the wild card? I, they're starting to slip slightly picked up a big win. Are we saying, are we saying what's more likely? No, I'm just, this is just a separate topic. Now. Do you think how confident are you in the Orioles? I'm jumping around here, but that was when no, I, I was watching the Williamsport game yesterday. I was seeing the reason why I wanted to bring the Orioles up is I love the energy and passion they're playing with. Again, it reminds us all of the Mariners last year, but like I'm watching Felix Bautista warm up in the bullpen for this Williamsport game. And they go get a couple insurance runs in the ninth. And Bautista's paused in his warm-up, you know, before getting ready to go into the bottom of the ninth, watching, cheering his guys on as they give him two more runs of cushion. Yeah. And you see the whole bullpen locked in, fired up, really excited. And and the whole team is just engaged, pumped, and really cares. And there's nothing better for baseball when than when a team has, like, the highest level of give a shit that you yes. can ask for. That's what make college sports so great. Yes. And you can really see the level of give a shit from the Orioles. And I freaking love it. I think he's going to keep them afloat. But like, again, this has been kind of a Cinderella story. They're two and a half back. And a lot of teams are kind of hitting their stride here. Are they going to 
like can they keep this going down to the final series like is this gonna are they gonna fade a little bit like better or worse than last year's mariners i guess is the best way to phrase that i would say worse than last year's mariners personally just because i don't think the talent is there to survive for the next six weeks when everybody is ticking up with the intensity um obviously adley rutschman has been the best catcher in baseball since he's come up um it's it's really really hard to picture a world where that starting rotation in Baltimore. And I understand that Dean Kramer has been good. I understand that Wells has been good. I understand that Austin Voth has been really good recently, but it's hard for me to imagine that they continue to pump out starts like they have been for the last month, because even though it's been for the last month, you still have a month and a half of things needing to go perfectly for a team that is in need of more talent. If they actually want to win a postseason series next year. Yeah, no, and, and I agree with that. What's crazy is Wells has been out for a month, and they've been staying afloat without him. And and if yeah. he comes back and can kind of bolster them, that that helps. If they had Grayson Rodriguez waiting in the wings, kind of like Shane Boz last year for the Rays, and 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 Rodriguez is uh, hurt for those who may not be keeping up. Lat injury should be fine. He was legitimately at DL Hall's big league debut, which was awesome because he was rehabbing in the Tampa area, and yeah. his debut was was in Tampa. G-Rod's already thrown off a mound and everything, but you're you're probably not putting this guy in a high-stress situation no, in the big no. leagues. But if they could have, if, if Grace, because he's pretty much big league ready, like he's probably going to break camp next year with yeah. some of the the pick uh, the pick reinforcements that they put into the the new CBA, where if if you have a guy on the opening day roster, I, I got to flesh out all the rules there. But if he wins rookie of the year, you get like an additional pick potentially. So yeah. like they'll probably want to do that next year and not, not bring him up this year, but man, G rod, that would be a guy that would be better than a lot of deadline acquisitions pitching wise. I think he would almost immediately translate to the big league level. It's the same conversation that we had about Shane Boz last year. Exactly. Where that's the best deadline acquisition for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, I want to wrap with a couple of rehab assignments that are going on right yep. now. We already talked about Wander's rehab being pulled. Uh, a couple that are exceptionally notable, two in the NL East. Mike Soroka just went from high A to triple on his. He looked great across his four-inning start in high A. He struggled a little bit, three and a third, two runs on six hits um, in his start in triple A. But Soroka is going to be a brave before the season's over which is crazy to think about. It's just unfair. <laughs> uh, I, well, first of all, it's not unfair for, for Soroka, who has worked so hard to, to get back and two Achilles tears. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, dude, God bless this dude. 25 years old still. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I'm just happy that he can be contributing to the Braves. Because if you remember, I talked about it when I went to the World Series um, to that game six in Houston. <laughs> I was watching this man like, and this was well after the the second surgery, still limp around, you know, to to go help out his teammates and hang out on, on the foul line before the game. And I'm like, man, this guy's still really far off. And I mean, now it's almost been eight, 10 months later and he's just getting back. But the most encouraging thing I think we're seeing right now from Soroka is that the velo is all the way back and it, it was never an arm issue. So his arm is quite well rested, but as you know, I mean, that there's a lot of lower half involved in pitching. He was sitting about 93 miles an hour on the fastball um, in, in both rehab assignments. That's extremely encouraging, and and I think he's going to look pretty good by the time he gets back. I don't know how they're going to use him. They could probably use him as a starter down the line. I think they're going to kind of ease him in probably. I don't know what the plan is, uh, but regardless, having him in a one-inning spurt or in four- to five-inning spurts 
just another extremely talented arm to have in the fold here. I'm thinking build him up in starts. I, I'm thinking start him, have him go three innings or 50 pitches, whichever one comes first, and then keep moving forward like that. Because I think we've seen that over the last couple of years. And I know that Major League Baseball, it's not necessarily um, it's not necessarily encouraged to do that, but it was pretty much outlawed, uh, unwritten outlaw over you know, like even five years ago. But now I think if a guy needs to continue to build himself back up, there are pitchers that build themselves back up at the big league level. And I think that that's what Atlanta might want to do with Soroka because they know Soroka is not prone to blow up outings. That has never been Soroka's DNA as a pitcher. It is roll a shit ton of ground balls, get out of the innings quick. I mean, look, we saw basically the Dodgers decide to do that. Uh, Dustin May was not fully built back up yet. They still had him at a 70 pitch limit roughly. And uh, I mean, it might've had something to do with a triple a team coming to town in LA and they they decided, Hey, why, why have Dustin may make another start in Oklahoma when he can just make a start against the Marlins at home in LA. (laughs) Um, But you know, they, they basically said, Hey, like we're good. Our bullpens rested. Give us five, six innings, you know, whatever you give us is fine. And and we're playing the Marlins. And I think Soroka could kind of get, Unleash maybe maybe against the Marlins. They're going to play the Marlins again soon. Maybe that'll be like the rehab opportunity for him. Put him in against a weaker team and build him up. And you know, whenever you have that gap in the rotation, he's a pitch to contact ground ball guy. Would be very very solid for them to have. Uh, so very exciting for the Braves there. And but there, there's a division rival with uh, probably a bit more of an important guy on the mend, which is extremely good for the sport and and extremely exciting. Hundred um, percent. And then the last rehab assignment that I want to hit on—that's think- what I was just like leading you into there. Oh yeah, yeah. Here we go. Bryce Harper, Lehigh Valley. He's going to be an Iron Pig for a little bit. Um, Bryce is going to be back probably in a week. I'm excited. Um, he's just—he's just so fun to watch, man. And. I can't believe the Phillies have really stayed afloat. I mean, I know they've fallen apart a little bit over the last 10, but they've had a tough schedule. They've had a really tough schedule, four and six in their last 10, uh, but they've had to play the Mets. I know they played the Reds, but they did what they're supposed to do. They took two out of three and lost one game, one zero. And then they had to play the Mets again before. So it's really just seven of their last 10 games being against the Mets and what they won two of them. Yeah. Two of them. Uh, That's really the only issue, but they've won every other game. They're supposed to win swept the Nats beat the Marlins two out of three, you know, took care of, of the Reds. Now they have the Reds again. They'll still be in a good spot by the time Harper comes back. And uh, I think the bigger blow to them right now is, is that they lost Corey Canable. The bullpen yeah. is, you know, already a bit thin. It's been performing, but I mean, man, getting Bryce Harper back has got to be one of the best things that any team's going to do the rest of the way. It's going to be huge. And I, I want to shout out most valuable stopgap. That's Alec Bohm. Bohm has turned it on, man. I, I know how high you were on Bohm going into, I guess, like his last career. Year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. going into last year because he put together that great rookie season and we were thinking, okay, like this is the time that yeah. Bohm really steps up. And last year was so unbelievably disappointing for him. The beginning of this year sucked. Uh, you know, we all remember, I hate this place. And he said, yeah, I said it. Did I mean it? No. Uh, and and since then, he has flipped a switch. I think he likes playing in Philly now. I know Phillies fans love him. And he was phenomenal filling the void of Bryce Harper. They needed somebody else to step up because Schwarber, you know, bunch of Ks, relatively low batting average, but he's going to hit a bunch of bombs. 
Castellanos, kind of same thing. They needed somebody else when Harper went down, and Boehm has been that somebody else. So the Phillies, I, I honestly think that they've probably got good energy with Harper coming back. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's funny because Alec Bohm was one of the guys in 2020, really. I was, as he got promoted, I'm like, this guy could be one of the, the brightest young stars in the game. I, I really was, was high on him and you know, never fully jumped off the train, but definitely was, was concerned, uh, especially at points earlier in this year, we were trying to package him in deals and, and kind of get him a change of scenery. Yeah. Um, but it's really clicked for him. And this was a guy that I was comparing to DJ LeMahieu with the bat. And, and yeah. I, I don't think it's that crazy when it's all together. I don't know if he has quite the impact that DJ has. Maybe he can tap into a bit more, but over his last 40 games, dude, the guy's hitting 333, 362, 510. So 140 WRC plus. I'd like to see him walk a little bit more, but we're starting to see more impact as well. He's starting to hit for a little bit more power. Yeah. And obviously batting average wise, he is he is more than fine. Were you shocked with how the power went away? Like he's got what? 11 pumps this year. He's got 10 and two of them came like a game ago. Yeah. I honestly was. Yeah. I was never expecting him to be a big power guy. Uh, You know, I think you look at the build and you'd expect him to be, but he's a inside out, use the whole field, drive it the other way. But I'm like, he's playing in Philly. He he can leave the yard oppo. No problem. I thought the power was average to slightly above, but he makes so much contact that you'll say, okay, He's going to hit plenty of home runs. It's almost like Jonathan India. That way I was never impactful power, but hitter friendly park makes so much contact. He'll he'll hit 20 homers. I thought that's what I always thought Alec Bohm would be. I think that's what he's going to be now. He's on pace to be that the rest of the way. He just wasn't making enough contact before. So I I think that power is going to come back. But in terms of impact, he's never just going to be that guy. Yeah, he's never going to be that guy. But we got Bryce coming back and we know Bryce is like a 40 homer guy and uh, MVP candidate. So We'll see what happens with Philly, uh, and we'll see what happens in the NL and AL postseason races. Peter and I are talking rookies tomorrow. It's going to be very fun. Um, Be sure to uh, hit any link you may need in the episode description. We'll talk to you soon. goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill